Well, good morning. Today we're going to actually talk about church. And uh, I've entitled today's message, Your Calling in the Church Family. Kaylee was very excited because my slide is pink. We don't get a lot of pink up there on the slides. But yes, it is. We're uh, talking about your calling in the church family. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people today have a very skewed view of church, about what it is and why they go. And um, that's because of religion. It's because of traditions of men. It's because of lies and deceit that have been planted by the enemy, that people have fallen for those lies. And they believe, a lot of people believe that they go to church because they're earning something from God. They're checking their spiritual checkbox for the week, and it's on their Christian to-do list. Um, Dusty and I, and I think the kids might have been with us too, we were watching a show a couple of weeks ago. It was a rerun from something in about 2010, and it happened to be a Christmas episode, and this family was going to go to church for Christmas Eve, and it's a mom and a dad and three teenage daughters, and the poor dad's standing at the door trying to get three teenage daughters on Christmas Eve out the door to the car. Micah's shaking his head no. And of course, you know what happens. He gets two of them out the door, and the third one won't come down, and about the time she does and goes out the door, one comes from outside back in and says, my purse doesn't match my outfit. So, you know, and after this little scene for a while, the mom walks up and she says, why are we even going? It's just too complicated. And he says, oh, no, no, we're going because this one counts more with him pointing up to God. It counts more like God's taking an account. Oh, you went check mark gold star. Okay. Another example of that, that it's Television just portrays it. I've mentioned this movie before, an old 1980s movie that maybe you've seen called Steel Magnolias. Dolly Parton says in that movie to one of the other characters, she said, Oh, honey, it don't matter which church you go to. God don't care just as long as you go. Y'all, that's a concept that we are going out of obligation because we're trying to earn something. God's favor, we're trying to keep him from being mad at us. And it's just completely wrong. That's a works-based mentality. That's the idea that I can maybe cash in. Lord, I'd like to cash in four consecutive church services, two things in the offering plate, and I brought something to the fellowship dinner in exchange for an answer to my prayer request. And you know, that sounds silly. And I think if you ask most people, they would go, I don't believe that. But you know what? At the very root level, a lot of people do. They don't feel worthy enough to ask God for something. They don't feel like they can. And once they've missed too many times, then they're just like, I just can't go in there because people know I haven't been here. And it goes back to what you look like, what people are thinking about you, and what God, whether he's happy with you or not happy with you. You know, the Bible tells us that we have, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have works of righteousness, they're not works unto righteousness. These works don't make you righteous. Going to church doesn't put you in right standing with God. Being born again, having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is what puts you in right standing with God. Not going to church or praying or giving an offering or anything like that. God's not any more or less happy with you. He doesn't love you any more or less because love is just who he is. Now, then we say, well, then why are we even going? Well, he commands us in his word to go to church, and we're going to actually look at that. But as I said, I think I said this back at Thanksgiving when I was talking about thankfulness. Anytime in the Word of God we see God telling us to do something as a command, it is not ever because He needs it. It is always because He is trying to get something to us. He is by His very nature a giver, and He wants to bless you and benefit you with all of the things He has provided through you to, to you through the finished work of Jesus. And we're going to church to find out who He is and who we are so we can go out and impact the world. 
And we've got so many people that are just sitting home because they either don't feel like they have to go or they need to go. And this is not a step on your toes message where, oh gosh, I missed church two times and now they're looking at me. No, I just want you to know why we come to church, what are we doing at church, and the reason we're here today. Um, And it does matter where you go. If you are going to church for the wrong reason, then eventually you'll quit going altogether. God will call you to a group of people that He can use you in and they can minister to you. And you may not be there for a lifetime, but maybe for a season. But, but the concept of, I just, I'm just going to pop over here today, and I'm going to pop over here today, and I'm going to pop over there today, and you don't get rooted and grounded or planted anywhere. It's really hard to receive from a shepherd when you don't know them. Okay, so your shepherd, your pastor has been called and they will minister to you. God will reveal things to them for you. Sometimes they say things in their messages. May that they may not know it, but it's specifically for you because God spoke through them to you. And I'm not saying visiting another church, a minister can't speak to you because they can. But there is a place for you to belong and to be in. And I think sometimes we're choosing church and we're attending church for the wrong reasons. Um, there's an individual that I know who they have been to the same church their whole life. It's just kind of what they do. And they were asked over the summer to come to, by a relative, to come to a new church plant that their relative was a part of. And they said, can you come for the next couple of months and help us kind of just, just sit in the congregation, just, you know, add to what looks like is going to church here. And uh, the person said, sure. And they were sharing this story with us. And they said, and you know, we went for about five months. And they said, and you know what? That music just really spoke to me. And they said, and the minister was so dynamic. The things that he said, I thought about that all week long. And so I said, so is that where you're going to church now? Oh, no, we went back to our other church. I said, oh, okay. I said, Did you just want, you felt like you were supposed to be back at the other church. Oh, no, that one was just too far away. I said, oh, okay, well, where is it? And they told me where it was. How long does it take you to get there? About 35 minutes. I thought, 35 minutes. I know where they currently go to church. It's 15 minutes away. I thought, so 20 minutes is preventing, 20 minutes one way and 20 minutes back, 40 extra minutes in your week is stopping you from being in a place where you sense the presence of God and the, and the Lord was speaking to you through those messages. That's a wrong mindset. That, that's a heart issue, guys. We've got to look at that. Why am I going? If it's not convenient for me, then I'm not going to be there. People go to church for other people. We go to Grandma's church. Oh, Grandma's not going this week. Well, we don't have to go. I'm being truthful here. Yeah. My best friend Sally goes to church there. I go to church with Sally. Oh, Sally's family's out of town. Well, we're not going this week. You're going for a person. That's not why we go to church. We go to church because there's something there for us. You need to come to church with an expectation. There is life with an expectation that I'm going to receive something and I've got something to give. Okay, let's look at what the Word says about this. You've been called to a ministry. I don't know if you realize that. We all have unique and individual callings. But all of us, if you are born again, you have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation, in other words, I have been made in right standing with God. All issues have been taken care of. Jesus on the cross paid for everything on my behalf. I have now been reconciled to God because of Jesus. And verse 18 says, and now he gave us... Who? Those who have already been reconciled. The ministry of reconciliation. It is now my job as a believer in Jesus Christ to go out and help the world be reconciled to Christ. And you know what? You can minister to people I will never see. I'll never meet. Y'all know I'm a school teacher. I minister in my classroom to my students. I have 95 people a week that I encounter that sit in a desk in my room. And yes, we talk about things in the English classroom world, but we also talk about Jesus. And God opens opportunities for me to speak into their lives that you, these kids you'll never know, but I know them. There are coworkers that I get to minister to that you'll never meet. You have a neighbor that you can minister to that I will never know. You have relatives I'll never meet and you get to minister to them. That's where we do the ministry of reconciliation in our world. And God will bring these people along our path and we can share the love of Christ with them and what God's word says, what he has declared, his promises that are yes and amen and help set them on a path toward right standing with God if they're not already born again. Not because of us, but because of Jesus and the opportunities the Father provides. But you know what? It's really hard to minister reconciliation to someone else if I don't know very much about my reconciliation? If my concept is, I got saved, so now I don't go to hell. And I guess I'm just hanging on till the Lord comes back or I go home to be with Jesus one. That's kind of sad. We've talked about this before. When you receive Jesus, that everlasting life started the moment you got born again. It's not something you're waiting on for later. It is for now. And God has every answer you need in every capacity for your life. But if you don't know that and you're not walking in that, then how in the world are you going to minister that to somebody else? You can say like, well, they tell you their problems and you feel, I need to tell them about Jesus. But you're like, I don't really know what to say. So praying for you, buddy. And then you just walk off and you're just like, I mean, that was, you know, not a lot of help. The world could have given that kind of help, a little pat on the back. But it's because you didn't feel equipped to do it. God's word is for you so that you can be changed and then so you can go help change the world. So you can do the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know where you get your training for the ministry of reconciliation? In a couple of places. You're going to get it from God's word, which means you have to spend time in God's word to get equipped to renew your mind to know what God's word says. It's not going to magically float in your brain. When you got born again, it did not download. Everything, okay, now I'm complete. No, we're renewing our mind because the world is bombarding us with lies of the enemy and just lies is the truth. Um, And we have to renew that. We have to exchange that out and go, no, no, no. Let me dig that out of my belief system. That's not accurate. Let me go back to what God's word says and plant that in so I can walk in that fruit. But you know where else you get equipped? You get equipped at church. 
where you are sitting under ministers of the gospel who are teaching you, giving you wisdom and knowledge so that then later the Holy Spirit can speak to you and pull out those things that you've read in the Word, those things that your ministers and the speakers in your life have, have pl- helped plant in there. You can draw on that. Uh, Dusty has a phrase, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. The Holy Spirit, you say, well, Heather, the Holy Spirit can do anything. Yes, He can. The Holy Spirit has spoken to me through cartoons before. I've been watching cartoons when the kids were little, and the, something will happen. I'll be like, you know what? And the Lord will show me something. The Lord can do anything. But how much simpler is it if you are already in the Word and you are sitting under good teaching of the Word? How much easier is it and how much faster can you progress when you're planting all that? It can bring fruit faster. And I'm not trying to give the idea that if you don't have all your ducks in a row, then you can't minister to somebody. You don't have to be walking in perfect health in every capacity to minister healing to someone else. Okay, don't ever fall for that lie of the enemy. You don't have to have perfect finances to minister provision and prosperity to somebody else. Your life doesn't have to be perfect. You might, maybe there's still some strife issues you're dealing with in your family and you haven't got all that worked out. That still doesn't mean you can't minister peace to somebody else. God can use you where you are right now. If you're born again, you're equipped. But you can walk so much easier if you have been renewed and you have been filled and know who you are. And then you can boldly do the ministry of reconciliation. So let's talk about being uh, doing that ministry, how we get equipped and prepared to do that ministry. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. It says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Let's break this down a little bit. Verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The traditions of church have tried to give off the idea that the pastor's job, the fivefold ministry's job, is to do all the work of the ministry. Now, if you read this verse, they are to equip the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. So if you're not present, then you can't be getting equipped to do what you're supposed to be doing. We have this idea, we need to bring sinners to church. Yes, praise God, bring them. But you know what? Sinners don't go to church. Saints, Christians go to church so that they can get equipped, so they can go into the world and do the ministry of reconciliation. And that's what the fivefold ministry is supposed to be doing, is equipping the saints so, they can, so that we can go do the work of the ministry. It keeps going for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying, building up, up uplifting, encouraging. When I've had a hard week and I have given all that I can give 
and I feel drained. I can come to the house of worship and fellowship with fellow believers and have someone in the fivefold ministry speak into my life and equip me. And then as I'm talking to the people around me, I'm edified and I'm built up and the Lord uses that atmosphere and that anointing and those people to speak into my life so that when I walk away, I'm ready once again to go out and do the work of the ministry. But if I'm never here and I keep trying to survive and do it on my own, you know what happens? You ever heard of burnout? People burn out. They get dried up. They have given. You're like a sponge. You're absorbing in and you go squeeze yourself out into the world. But if you have squeezed everything out of that sponge and you're not ever letting the washing of the water of the word refill your sponge, you're going to drain dry. And that's when people end up hurt, offended, exhausted, and they walk away. They never meant to. They never planned on it. But it slowly but surely happened. Dusty and I have talked a lot this week. We have seen some really sad things recently in people that we know of all ages, things that have happened. And Dusty and I stand and we're going, what in the world is this? Some of we've seen people pass away. We've seen people who have been very sick and people we know who at one time were walking boldly in who they were in Christ. Their comment to the person who's sick is, I'm sending good vibes your way. I'm sorry, I don't want any vibes. I need prayer. I, I'm a, I need you to believe with me for my healing. I don't need a vibe. I've never seen a vibe set anybody free from anything. I mean, really, I'm looking at this person and I'm not trying to be judgmental of them, but I'm thinking, what happened to you? You used to would have declared the word and today you're sending out vibes. That's sad, y'all. You walked away. I've seen people who were boldly doing a ministry for Jesus and now their whole world's falling apart. Their kids are going off in a horrible direction. Their marriage is falling apart. They've lost their job. They're dependent on things like drugs and alcohol. And you just stand back and go... But you were in the same place I was and we were being taught the same things and we were together doing the work of the ministry. And today you walked away. Why? And it's because I feel like they gave and they gave and they gave, but they never connected in anywhere to really receive. They never made the personal decision, I'm going to the Word of God and I'm reading it for me, whether I feel like it or not, or whether in that moment I see the situation changing, I'm putting my trust in God's Word and I'm not moving. I'm standing. And until God tells me to do anything else, I'm just going to keep standing on His Word. Because then I keep refilling my sponge with His Word. So when life throws a circumstance at me, a sickness, a family issue, a marriage issue, an issue with my children, I'm not wrung dry and I don't know what to do. I am filled and I command that attack in the name of Jesus to bow its knee. I take authority and I do it powerfully because I know confidently who I am. But if I have not been equipped, then I cannot do the ministry of reconciliation to my own family and I can't do it anywhere else in the world either because I just don't know who I am. And we can point fingers and say, well... Don't point fingers. Let's look at ourselves and say, what can I do to fill myself up so I can go speak back to them? And the good news is, praise God for reconciliation. The word does not return void. So I was talking to Dusty 
And we were saying, you know what? These people that we see that it looks like their world's falling apart. I'm just going to keep declaring over them that the word that was planted in their heart will not return void. And it will rise up out of them and call them back to who they really are. And they will cease to fall prey to the lies of the enemy. That's all it is. It's just a lie. They've just believed a lie. You know, you are much more easily deceived when you don't know who you are. Let's go on with this verse. It actually talks about that. Okay, so we're here so the pastors and teachers and all the other fivefold ministry can equip the saints for the work of the ministry so we can edify the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We've got to know who He is. And when I come to church and I'm part of a family, that helps build my foundation of who He is. It helps plant that in my belief system. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Fullness. I want you to think about that for a minute. Some of us know Christ in part. We know one piece. We know His saving piece that has redeemed us from sin. But we know nothing about His healing power. We know nothing about His provision. We know nothing about His peace. So let's keep coming so we can hear more and know Him in full. He is so awesome and amazing. We'll never know it all. There's always more to get. There's never too, we'll, we'll never get too much of God. There's always more. Our sponge can always receive more. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Okay. We're no longer children. That denotes a maturity in the things of God. And if you or somebody you know is in the children's stage, there's no condemnation in that. It's just an indication. If I'm easily tossed to and fro, then I'm not mature in that area, and I need to go back to God's Word and plant some more seed about that so I can mature in that particular area. So that I'm not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. What does that mean? That means I know so solidly what I believe that when somebody on a social media or in a message I hear from somewhere else or whatever, wherever or whatever, if it comes at me and it really doesn't line up with God's Word, I can go, mm, no, that, that doesn't line up with who, that don't line up with the character of God. That doesn't line up with what his word says. And I'm not tossed. I'm not easily deceived by the cunning craftiness. The enemy can't trick me into believing a lie about God because I know who God is. If you came in and told me lies about Dusty, I'm going to go back to, no, I, I've known this man for 27 years. That's not in his character. When you're in relationship with somebody, you know them. But there's a lot of people who they're not in an intimate relationship. They pop into church occasionally. They open their Bible when they feel guilty about not reading it. They're not fellowshipping with the Lord, so they really don't know His character. And when somebody plants the idea of, well, you know that happened because of this, because of you did this and you did that, God's really not pleased with you. you. You know, God put that sickness on you. He's trying to teach you something. And I'm going to go, wait a minute. No, that doesn't line up with the character of God. That's not even in His Word. There's not one time I see in the New Testament of the Bible where God threw sickness on somebody to teach them something. So because I know that, you can't deceive me with that. But if I don't know it, I can get deceived into thinking that lie. I've got to know who I am. We see this a lot in people. Um, I know a lot of people, they actually are quite superstitious about things. And it's because they don't know who they are. And so they're so afraid... Um, some of it is also a form of legalism, which is actually kind of a little bit like superstition. Um, 
I, I used to believe that if I missed church or I didn't do the ministries I had volunteered myself for, God's anointing was going to leave me. He was going to take that off of me and I would not be able to flow in his anointing anymore. I don't know where I got that, but it was a lie the enemy planted to me and I fell for it for a while until I got set free from that. Any, there's any kind of lie. Different people believe different things. But if you know who you are, then that wind of doctrine doesn't blow you around. Do you know there's actually been times when I've heard something said and in that moment I could not tell you why it was wrong, but I knew it was wrong. The Holy Spirit inside of me went, er, nope. And I thought, I don't know why. And so I have to go and actually pray and say, God, I've got a funny feeling about this and I'm just sensing something's wrong about it. Will you reveal to me what it is? And every time, either he sent somebody across my path or my pastor or in my Bible reading, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, see, this doesn't line up with who God is. But you know what? That was because I was in tune to hearing from the Holy Spirit. So when that check came up in my spirit, I sensed it. But you know what? If I don't spend time with the Lord and I'm not sitting under His Word and I'm not listening and receiving from Him, that check goes off and I just blow it off to the side because I'm just not mature enough to really know and sense those things because I haven't been rooted and grounded. I'm not equipped for any ministry because I'm just not connected in anywhere to God's Word, to a church family, or anything like that. So verse 14 says that we won't be blown around by winds of doctrine and deceived by craftiness if we are equipped for the ministry. Verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love. Okay, think about church this way. They should be speaking the truth to you in love. Not glazing over something because people don't like to hear it. Not teaching part of the Bible because it just makes people uncomfortable. We're just not going to talk about that. No, speaking the truth. The Bible says, sanctify them by my truth. My word is truth. So if it's in the Bible, then we are supposed to be teaching that. And we do it in love. And if it doesn't line up with what you believe, then, okay, then hopefully you're, you're gaining enough maturity to go, okay, Lord, I don't know that I believe that, but I'm not going to reject it and I'm going to let you minister to me about that. Okay, so speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So in other words, our whole body is fit together as a family of believers. And we're all taking care of each other and loving on each other and making up the difference when somebody has a moment of weakness. We're helping to undergird them and hold them up, right? According to the effective working by which every part does its share. So we all have a part to play and we each do our share and that causes growth of the whole body for the edifying of itself in love. We have been built up and encouraged and nourished and we're healthy together so we each can go do our ministry of reconciliation because we've been reconciled and now we can go and minister reconciliation to others. So what does it look like? I told you we were going to talk about church today. What does it look like? If you can get beyond that, I'm just going to earn something from the Lord and realize that I'm here because God has something for me here. Let's look at what that should be like for us. Well, actually, I skipped a scripture. Let me back up a little. Before we get to that, Hebrews 10 tells us in verse 24 and 25, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So that's when you come to church, you stir up love with each other 
and good works. These are not works where you're earning anything from the Lord. These are works that are a byproduct of your relationship with the Lord. You are so solidly grounded in His awesome power and might and who He is and who you are that you can't help but run out and do awesome things because it's just oozing out of you. The Bible has a, uh, there's a scripture that says that we carry the fragrance of Christ. I declare that over my family daily. I say, Lord, I believe in Jesus' name that our family carries the fragrance of Christ. That when we walk in a room, we change the atmosphere. That people feel refreshed. That we are a breath of fresh air to the people that we encounter. That's what I declare over my family. Because I want people to be noticeably different after being around us. Not because of us, but because of Jesus shining out of us. So we're stirred up in love and now we're doing those good works. Verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so we're specifically told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If you look on the left side here, the phrase assembling together is from the Greek word episunagoga, and it refers to gathering together in one place. Y'all, that's a physical place where people come together. In Strong's Concordance, it defines it as a complete collection, especially a Christian meeting for worship. I am not against online services. Praise God for them, especially during quarantine. But that is not where you are meant to be in a consistent basis. You are meant to be in the corporate anointing of a physical place with a group of believers. Do you know that you individually carry a unique anointing to you? So a calling unique to you? Something that God put on you. And when you're not here, you don't bring that with you. Have you ever sensed people when they walk in the room, they bring the life of the party and everybody's just like, woo, yeah, they're here. And also, have you ever met that person? They walk in the room, everybody's like, oh gosh. And they're so draining. That's, that's what you're bringing. And when you come to church and you bring that expectation of this is my family. These are my people. We're going to worship together. We're going to share and love on each other. And when I need them, they're going to pray for me. And when they need me, I'm going to pray for them. You bring that. And that's what we're supposed to do when we assemble together. But we have so many people who are just like, eh, I don't have to go. I don't need to go. You need to go. Not because God needs you to go, but because you need to be there to find out who you are. You need to be there to be equipped and so that you can be, bring who you are to this atmosphere. So we can exhort one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. Don't you see that? The day approaching, we need to be together. So now let's go ahead and look at how we play our part in the church family. The first thing is to be present and involved. Now, by be present, I actually mean twofold there. Be physically present, but also, do you know you can be physically here, but you're not really here? I walked in the door 30 seconds before church started, so I didn't have to talk to anybody, and I sat as far away from people as I could get, and I just watched it all happen. Are you done singing? How many times are you going to sing that line? Okay, good. Now we're at the sit-down part. I'm sitting down, looking at my watch. Pastor, you're getting a little long-winded. Okay, it's over. Bolt, I'm out the door before anybody can talk to me. Check mark. I checked my box of attendance. No, be present in every capacity. Be here. Be in this moment together. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, it says, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized. This is after Peter. He is speaking to a group of people, and many of them get born again. It says, Those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. They went and fellowshiped with other believers steadfastly, continued. That denotes a pattern, a routine. It's part of their daily life. It's part of their what they do and who they are is they go and they receive from the apostles and the, they fellowship with other believers and they eat meals with them and they pray for each other. Y'all, that's a family. We come together and we spend time together. If we see it in the Word of God, how much more do we need this today? It's needed. It's necessary. Let's fellowship and be together. Be here. Be present. I've got this second bullet here. It says, in a true family, people notice when you're not there. Not because they're keeping record of your attendance, but because they miss your fellowship and the individual atmosphere you bring to the family. You know, Dusty and I, at one of the churches that we ministered at, we had some people that um, one Sunday these people missed. Two different people missed. And so um, we reached out to one of them and just said, hey, we missed you. Hope everything's good. Let us know if we can do anything for you. They got highly offended and felt that we were keeping up with them. And they didn't tell us this. They told somebody else, what business of it is there of theirs when I come to church and when I don't? I thought, whoa. So I didn't reach out to the other person. And guess what? They got offended <laughs> because I didn't reach out to them. They didn't even call me. They didn't even check on me. What? Well, it's a lose-lose situation. I've got news for you. If you're in my family, I'm keeping up with you. I know who you are and I know where you are. Not because I'm trying to make a checklist of, well, so-and-so didn't do this. No, because I love you. And I am in fellowship with you. And I want to know, can I help you? And if you're just like, no, I just needed a day off. Okay, great. See you next week. And you know what? What I've really has become kind of my rule of thumb. If you miss the service, I usually don't say anything to anybody. If you miss two weeks, I'm probably calling you. Or I'm going to text you. Please don't ever be offended. I'm not mad at you. And if you miss 15 weeks in a row and then walk through the door, praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm not going, where have you been? <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get in your business, but we're a family and we love each other. You know what? If I don't see these two, this is my daughter and my son-in-law. If I don't see them after a little while, guess who's going to their house? I'm going to go hunt them down. If they don't show up to my house or I don't see them at church or something for a little while. Because they're my family. And I care about them. And I love them. And the same thing here. We should love each other. Sometimes when we get in difficult situations, we hide from people. I don't, for various reasons. Sometimes it's because I don't want people to know that all my ducks are not in a row. Sometimes it's because I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to avoid people because that's still taxing on me. For whatever reason, sometimes we avoid people, and that's when you need that friend, that family member, to reach out and go, hey, you need me. You may not even know it, but right now you need me, and I'm going to stand in the gap for you, and I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to pull through this together. My husband, had a, Dusty, had a friend who was going through a really hard time, and this friend started off reaching out, and then the reaching out started fizzling. And Dusty could have very easily just was like, mm, okay, whatever. But you know what? He didn't. He hunted him down. And he kept texting. Probably annoying. 
But it was, I love you. God loves you. Here's a scripture. What can I do for you? Why? Because Dusty loved this person and knew they were headed in a bad direction. And I care enough about you. I don't care if you're ticked off at me. I'm pulling you back to who you really are. Being in a family. Being in relationships. So you need to be here and bring who you are because we need you. We need who you are. And the last bullet point here, talking about being involved. Find an area in which to get involved. Seek the Lord about what you can do and communicate your desire to help. There's a, everybody has something that they can do. What can you do? Last month, we put out a, a thing about people volunteering for nursery and for coffee station and things like that. And I had people that signed up. That's awesome. Thank you. If you didn't, there's no guilt to you. But find something that you can do. What can I do? Well, I can come and smile at people as they come in the door. I can be a door greeter. I can bring, I don't know, rolls to the, to the lunch. You say, Heather, I don't cook. You don't want me to bring anything. Okay, bring a bag of ice and come on. Be a part. Bring your smiling face. Bring the love of the Lord. Bring your presence sitting in the congregation. Do you know what it's like to stand in the pulpit and have nobody to preach to? It's frustrating. It really is. <laughs> It, back when I was first beginning to speak and I would practice my messages at home and I would just be declaring things out in the house and nobody's answering me and be like, well, this is kind of a Debbie Downer. <laughs> anyway, be here. We love you. We want you here. You bring something here. Come with your expectation. Be ready to receive. What's another way we can play a part? Engage in worship. Worship is more than singing words. And I think some people maybe come from a background where nobody actually taught you about worship. And worship really was just singing the words. It was the song service. So I go in there and I sing those words and then I sit down. Worship is actually, as this says, it's an involvement of your soul. Okay? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. It's an opportunity for you to reflect on, declare, and celebrate who the Father is and who you are because of Jesus on the inside of you. The words that we're singing are not just words to just pantomime. They're words to put you in the mindset of, here's who he is. Here's what he's done for me. Here's how awesome he is. Look at where I've come from. Look at where I'm headed. Look at what I'm doing because of Jesus. And so when we have people who, they, they come in and they don't sing any words. They just watch you sing praise and worship. Or people who come in and if there are no words on the screen... There's no words up there. They're still singing. I don't know what to do. There are moments, sometimes we call it free worship or open worship. Do you know that's a moment for you to sing your own song to the Lord? You say, Heather, I don't sing. Well, make a joyful noise. The Word says that. If you can just do it. That's right. It doesn't say in tune. It says a noise. If you want to pray, you pray. If all you can say is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I woke up today. Thank you, Lord, that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, that I have a place to go with people who love me. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Whatever it is, if you are baptized in the Holy Ghost and you want to pray in the Spirit, you pray in the Spirit. You can sing in the Spirit. Whatever you want to do, but be engaged. Don't be an observer. Well, sister so-and-so is not singing very much today. Or, yeah, you're clapping off beat over there. Y'all wouldn't believe the stuff we see standing up here. It's really funny. I see some people who it looks like it takes every ounce of strength in their body to sing the words. And heaven help us if we repeat that line too many times. 
It's okay. You know, sometimes while we're repeating something a lot of times, do you know it's me trying to get you on board? Sometimes we don't know the song well enough, and so we're singing it the first couple of times because I, you, you just need an opportunity to know it, to, to hear the words and how the, the rhythm of the song goes in the tune. And then you can get past that, and you can go and actually process what I'm saying, what the words I'm declaring. And when we keep it simple and repetitive, more people can jump on board faster, and then we're all in together. So sometimes when there's something being repetitive, I have done it myself. I have been in a congregation where I thought, how many times are we going to sing the line of this song? But you know what? I thought they're, they're trying to pull some people in. And so I'm going to help. I'm going to go ahead and jump in and I'm going to be all in. And if I'm free enough to lift my hands, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get everybody in so that we're all pointing our thoughts and all of the intents of our heart toward Jesus and we're receiving what he has for us, and we're giving him all the glory and all the honor. But I'm going to be engaged in worship. I'm not just going to pantomime words. I'm not going to just sit there like a bump on a log. I'm going to be engaged in worship. Psalms tells us to clap our hands and to shout. Ephesians tells us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Those spiritual songs are what I'm talking about in that moment at the end of the actual song. That's not your cue to stop singing. That's your cue to now jump off and do what you'd like to do and sing your own song, your own praises to the Lord. Hebrews tells us in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. There's yet another example of we're supposed to be an assembly praising the Lord. And then all throughout the Psalms, it says to worship with instruments, lifting hands, bowing down, dancing before the Lord. As long as what you're doing isn't distracting somebody else's worship, then you go right ahead. If you want to jump up and down, you're so excited about the happy day we just sang about, you jump up and down. If we had a lady that at another church, I won't name her, but some of you are going to know who I say, well, she took a lap every Sunday. I mean, woo! And it was a as she went around the sanctuary, she got so excited. If you want to run around, you run around. Now, don't step on people or trip people up or what have you. And I would, the Bible says that everything's done decently and in order. So if you need to find a little back corner for you to get real excited so that you're not stealing the show from the Lord or anything, you do that. But you know what? Engage. Be all in with worship. And I promise you, you will never walk away from that encounter not blessed from it. It will bless you. Engage in worship. That's another way you can be a part of the church family. You're here, you're present, you're engaged in worship. Receive and attend the word with a teachable spirit. That means I came to church ready to hear what God was going to speak to me. And even if I, the, the pastor stands up and says, today we're going to talk about the love of God. Well, I've heard all about the love of God. I know he loves me. You just shut yourself off. I don't care if you've heard that same message 25 times in the last month. Hear it again, and the Holy Spirit will reveal something new to you. I knew of a minister, I think it was Frank Manchin, that I heard say this, who said that he listened to the same cassette tape, this tells you how long ago that was, every day for months, the same message, and the Lord just would not let him move on. And he heard it, and he heard it, and he heard it, and he heard it, and he was thinking, I could preach that message. But then one day, he got to shouting. He said, God said something new. He said something new. Did the cassette tape recording change? No. But the Holy Spirit revealed something new out of it. 
So when you come to church, I don't care who it is. I don't care how many times you've heard it and how much more knowledge you think you have on that subject. If God's put a person in that place to speak that message, then you be teachable. Be the sponge ready to soak it in. Jeremiah 3.15 says, And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Your shepherd is not somebody who's standing in the pulpit going, What can I talk about today? No. I know this man has spent time in prayer, seeking the Lord, trying to determine what it is he's supposed to be ministering to you and exactly how he's supposed to minister that to you. Do you know, literally I pray, Lord, show us what to teach, when to teach it, and how to teach it. And if there needs to be somebody else teach it, show us who it is and bring them to us. Because it's not about who gets to stand on the stage. It's about the message and that you are getting the information you need so you can be reconciled, so you can go reconcile others and share Jesus. The second bullet, allow the Holy Spirit to confirm, explain, and discern the information for you. You might take away something from a message and it be three weeks, three months, or three years later and God reveals something to you about that. Bring that back to your remembrance. Remember I talked about giving the Holy Spirit something to work with? That was a seed that got planted and later the Lord drew that out. Have a teachable spirit. Be ready to receive what the Lord has for you. Having a teachable spirit means we receive what is taught without pride and the Holy Spirit can always teach us something new or expound on what we already know. It doesn't matter how old the person is. It doesn't matter how much more biblical knowledge you have than them than, than they do. The Holy Spirit can use anyone to speak into your life. Do you know it was a six-year-old girl who was one of the people that confirmed Dusty's call to pastor? And I'm going to cry thinking about it because he heard it and I heard it and we weren't quite sure. And this little girl in the middle of a praise and worship service walked up to him and said, Mr. Dusty, you're supposed to be a pastor. And she turned around and walked off and that man hit his knees sobbing. Because it confirmed what the Lord told us. But you know what? He could have said, she's six. What does she know? No. He received what God had. It doesn't matter who it is. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. When you come to church and you are in the place that God has called you to be, you need to come every time. Lord, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to receive. Um, I had the privilege one time of sitting in one of Dusty's Caris classes. When they have uh, guest ministers come in, it's open to the public. And I went and Pastor Greg Moore was there. And I went in to hear that message. And he said, today I'm going to talk about prosperity and a poverty mindset. And you know what my first thought was? I know all the prosperity scriptures and I don't have a poverty mindset. And the Holy Spirit, fortunately I was mature enough in that moment for the Holy Spirit to go, er, nope, got something new for you. He didn't teach any new scriptures. He didn't say things I hadn't heard before. But that day, God used that message to set me free in ways I had never been set free before. And it came back to me. It wasn't an overnight, like in that moment, setting free. It was something that I grew in over the next six months to a year because all of a sudden I would have a thought or make a decision and the Lord would bring something back from that message to me. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I've never thought of that scripture that way. But you know what? I had that moment of, Throwing up that pride of, I already know this. Or maybe the pride is, I don't like this because it doesn't line up with what I grew up hearing. We have to say, you know what? I'm going to listen and then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit draw out of that for me what I need to know. 
And like I've said this before, if I can't believe and I can see it in the Word and my pastor's speaking about it and it's just a little uncomfortable for me, then I'm going to say that prayer that I love. God, help my unbelief. Whatever I can't, I'm not believing, reveal it to me and help my unbelief. Help me get that doubt out and to see the truth of your Word. When we're invested in a family of believers, it leads to both personal growth and growth of the whole body. And then we're fully equipped to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians 4.16, this is paraphrased, every part doing its share causes the growth of the body. If you're not here, you're not doing your part. And there's a piece of the body missing. So we don't go to church to check a box. We don't go to a church for a person. We're not earning credits with God. He doesn't need us to go because He needs it. It is an opportunity that we've been commanded to do because it is a place for us to become equipped so we can walk in victory and then we can help other people walk in victory. I just pray this morning that this has been an encouragement to you. I know I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) You're here, but I want you to know why you're here. And on the days when you wake up and you feel like, I don't really want to go today. We've all had them. Me too. Dusty too. And sometimes you think, why are we going? We're going. And whether you walk out the door feeling any different, think about that song we sang today. It doesn't matter what I see or what I feel. My hope is in your promises. And his promise is that when we plant the seed of his word, it will produce. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring who I am and I'm going to be a part. I'm going to connect in and minister to my family and be ministered to by the Lord and by my family. Amen. I want you to know we love you. We pray for you. We call you by name. You're important to us. And we want you to be where God has called you to be, to do what God has called you to do. And we're doing our very best to equip you with everything that God's revealing through the Word. Know you can always come to us. And I think pretty much anybody in this room, we would all pray for you, listen to you, support you, and love you. Because that's the fruit of being part of a family. We want to be a healthy family. Amen. I don't have anything else, baby, if you want to come close this out. Amen. That was a really good message. In fact, it's something. Amen. That was awesome. Do you know that there's the Lord's been putting it on my heart. And I was talking to Heather about this just yesterday about revival. You know, we have the, the Asbury revivals and Lee College and the, Sanford down the road here. They're, they're having a revival. There's all these places that are exploding with revival. And, you know, one of the things that I think is a part of what she put in here is that we have our part to play in a revival. You know what revival really means? It means you're dead and then you were raised again. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life that I was dead and I had to go, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Right. I had to go spend some time with him and I had to revive. You know, something that she said today was that, you know, you have a part to play in this church or, or wherever God's calling you. But I want you to understand if you're a part of this church and this is something that you're wanting to be a part, that 
putting coffee out and, and doing all this other stuff, that's a great ministry because you're ministering to other people. But I'm seeing the vision that God has put in my heart is that I see people with different ministries, with different backgrounds, that they're going to do it. I mean, I got Myra in the back back here that she does a, a basically it's it's um, you know a revival type ministry. People were dead, and last week we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and there was people that were being set free of things. Do you know that? I just need. I don't care where you go or what you do. I'm trying to partner up with people because I want to see people changed. I'm tired of people just walking around. I'm tired of people who lived just awesome lives and that they're they're getting divorced and they're dying and they're sick and they have no place to go because they have completely been run out of churches or they've had issues in the past and they don't feel like they can go back to that family. Guys, I'm going to tell you what. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but if God's got something on your heart, I'll give money to it. I'll, I'll open the building for you. I will do whatever it is. You don't have to give me a dime. I'll give it to you. But I want to see people. They don't even have to come here. I want to see people set free. Because the Lord's going to take care of this ministry. But I want your ministry to survive. I want it to, to flourish because you're the one that's going to go in the world. I'm only able to talk to five or six people throughout my day because of the top job that I have. But I'm multiplying right now. Every single person I'm seeing right here, you talk to people every single day. And your ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back to Jesus, bringing families back together, you have a ministry of reconciliation. You have the ability to be able to bring people together in a way that I can't do. So I, when we say, what do you want to do? It's not, hey, I just want you to fill up some coffee or, or, hey, we might need some praise and worship help or we might need people to help run stuff in the back or whatever. It's, hey, this is on my heart, Dusty. I'd like to be able to do it. And I'm going to look at you and I'm going to go, then you do it and I'll, I'll support you. Because I'm not called to that, but I can help you. And see, that's what Heather and I's heart is for the people that are in Alabaster and Pelham and throughout the surrounding cities is that we see people being set free. Because if you're not set free, then you're always going to be dead and there's no revival. You know, we're going we're gonna to start that series next week. I, I'm, it's been confirmation this morning. I want people... If you can't be here, I want you to listen to it because I want you to be revived. I want you to I want you to go and take the things God is putting in your heart. I want them to reignite. There's some things that are in your heart that God has put in there. And some of y'all may be going, well, I've never heard God put anything in my heart. Yeah, it's been there. You've had things where when somebody talked about a particular type of ministry or going out and doing stuff, and all of a sudden it just was like, I, I could do that. See, that was the calling. That was when God said, yep. You know, 
Susan and I went to Karis. And I don't have my cell phone on me, but, you know, I had one of the teachers, it was like, you know, a calling is more like God calling you on the telephone going, hey, would you go down to the corner store and pick up some milk? That's the way a calling is. It's not... We got to get twelve elders, and we're going to lay hands on their, on this person, and they're going to start their worldwide ministry. You know, God's going to just go, "Hey, Heather may need some help. Go over and talk to Heather." And you know what? That's a calling of the Lord because it rose up inside of me, and I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. So your part in the ministry is what's in your heart. And see, that's what you bring to the family of God. You all have a call. You all are equipped very specifically. The problem is, is most people think that what my job is, is the, is the only job. And all I'm trying to do here is I'm just trying to get you to go, what's your call? What you're doing next? So as I'm closing us out, I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, dear Lord, that you are putting us in a mindset of who we are and where we're at in the body of Christ. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that there's a revival that when people have said, oh, that calling is dead that, Father, you're going to revive it, that you're going to start bringing people to the place that you've called them, that you've equipped them, and that you've shown them what to do. And, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that there is going to be people that are going to be saved and they're going to be set free, they're going to be healed. And, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are this week, I'm praying that this week, that you are starting to revive those that are listening, those that are online, those that are here, I'm thanking you, Father, that that there is going to be a revival in our hearts where you're going to bring back to our remembrance those callings and those, those calling outs where we were supposed to go and do something, that you're going to bring that back and that we're going to go and fulfill those so we fulfill the call of God that's upon us. Father, I just pray over each and every person that's at the sound of my voice. I thank you, dear Lord, that you're blessing them. You're giving them opportunities, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are giving them new visions and new hopes. I thank you, Father, that there's going to be opportunities that is just going to change the way that they see themselves. Father, bring Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just love you so much. Bring back to our remembrance all the things that were taught to us. Bring in the truth. And we just love you, we praise you, and we thank you. 